The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It's sunny uh, out. It's sunny out. I survived it. You survived it. Thanksgiving is in say, our rearview mirror. I was going to say, would that be American Thanksgiving? Hey, there was no fighting with the fam, so that's always a positive. I, I You know what? I didn't even have a problem uh, with traffic on Thanksgiving Day. Imagine that. Neither did I. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I never left my apartment, but... No oh, okay. I actually did have to leave my place. No, that's actually not true. I did. Uh, I did go up and see uh, someone uh, during the day, uh, but I came home and ate uh, dinner uh, myself. Um, everyone else was uh, scattered due to uh, considerations. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I traveled to family and I know that the, they say, oh, you shouldn't do it, but Considering one relative is a registered nurse and another relative is works in a field where he has to get tested, and I had just been tested, so we all felt it was pretty secure for us to get together, and we were still under the the auspices of, of how many people we could have. We did anyway. Enough of that. It was a good Thanksgiving. That's good. Um. In my case, uh, I got I had a pretty solid day on that on Thanksgiving and got to watch a couple of favorite movies on Friday, which is not quite as good as watching a Boston Bruins uh, Black Friday matinee. Yeah, I kind of missed that. It's amazing how the league kind of borrowed that little, you know, Black Friday matinee thing and made it their own, though. Mm hmm. By borrowed, you mean pursued the Bruins down a dark alley, kneecapped them, uh, cracked the back of their skull, and ran off with it laughing? That would be another way to put it, absolutely. Because <laughs> all I remember was the Bruins always had a Black Friday. It is possible that there were other organizations nope, there weren't. that there weren't. Not in, okay. not in the NHL. The Bruins pioneered it, and, and then, then, and then like several years later, they weren't allowed to do it because the league decided to show someone else. Yeah, that's just not right. Jack and Brick were... Um, None too pleased? Toasty over over the situation. <laughs> we'll call it toasty. Toasty, I like it. Um, they were... Uh, and you know what? I can't blame them. Uh, I think that when... I mean, we criticized the Boston Bruins for rightfully failing to innovate and make smart choices that move the franchise forward. But. Wait, you mean like this offseason? (laughs) The offseason that didn't happen, apparently. Um, But when they when they actually get something right and they did the Black Friday matinee, because number one. Building was always full. Number two, young fans in the building. Young fans are the key and the lifeblood to the NHL. Going forward, those kids who were there at five years old and then back again when they're seven are probably still going to be watching hockey at 25 and 40 and 57. It's just the way it works. Well, that was... 
it was it was a great thing because I would go out and do my shopping. <coughs> Excuse me. I would come oh, home. Oh, you're one of those. I would go out do my well that back then I was yeah, but I would go out do my shopping, come back, crash, and when I woke up, I woke up to a hockey game and leftovers. What a fun I, time! I I really like. I mean, I don't like matinees generally, but this uh, the Black Friday matinee for the Boston Bruins, it had an atmosphere like only two or three other matinee games throughout the year. Um, whichever game was closest to Halloween, or if it was on Halloween, always fun. Yeah. Uh, whatever game was sandwiched in between Christmas and New Year's, usually pretty pretty fun. And, of course, the shirt off their backs game. Uh, I mean, just about any hockey game you can get to in a professional arena in a really engaged fan base is going to be fun. But those were special. I mean, those were playoff-like atmosphere. And well, party atmosphere. The crowd, anytime the crowd is that engaged, it, it, it makes it more entertaining even if you're watching it on television. Like we said oh, about the, like I said about the pretend-offs, it wasn't just about the it wasn't just about the fact that they were playing with no butts in the seats. It was the fact that if you're watching it from home and you got no crowd noise and all you're hearing is 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 Doc or, or whoever's calling the game, it oh, simulated it, crowd noise. <laughs> yes, or simulated. It's just not the same. Even sitting even sitting at home in front of the the idiot screen, as they call it, it's not. It's just not the same. It, the the engagement of the crowd the, the, when they start, especially in the playoffs, that it, the crowd plays a factor. And when you watch it on TV, it gets me more. I know it gets me more involved when I'm watching the game and the crowd's getting into it and they're chanting and everything else. Oh, absolutely. So, and going back to, I mean, when you're talking about the pretend offs versus the real playoffs, it's a very different dynamic. Regular playoffs, guys have had a week and a half or so off and they're just starting to lose all of the aches or most of the aches of the regular season. And that's why the first round of the playoffs is the most physically brutal hockey. Oh, absolutely. Ever see in the entire calendar year. And even from teams who don't normally play a physical style, they will start throwing the body like you wouldn't believe in the pretend offs. It's been, it was months and months of wait and see. And then, as uh, as you referred to it before the show, uh, brain tickler, uh, you know, very nearly daily or even daily. Um, so that everyone could remain safe in the bubble. Brain scraper. Brain scraper, sorry. Um, and, you know. Tickler's good, though. <laughs> no, no fans masks everywhere it's just not not only not the same but it's a de- it, i hate i generally hate the term but it's a wet blanket it really is a wet blanket add add in the fact that half of the teams that didn't if they lost in those pretend off rounds mm-hmm. it didn't matter they were still going to keep playing so again why should the why should those half 
a dozen, or why should half of the teams be excited at all? And it's got to be difficult, even though you're playing for your lives, um, a phrase that gets used a tiny bit too much, um, even though you're playing for your lives uh, to play at peak or near peak against someone who just like yeah. someone who's someone whose mission is to get through your three or four game series um, and do it without suffering any major injuries is not quite the same as an opponent who wants to run you out of the building or stay competitive or just win the series. However, they can. It's it's not right. One of you is practicing with a different team's jerseys on the ice, too. And it. it it wasn't a good look. It just wasn't a good look. Um, however, Chris, you discovered a story where the league might be able to save the 2021 season in one move. Yes. Run with it. Thanks. Thanks to Larry Brooks for this one uh, over at the New York Post. And he's had some interesting, interesting uh, thoughts and and. And, and, and interesting concepts over over the last uh, little bit of time, but this one in particular involves uh, the fact that the league needs another three hundred million dollars in order to proceed with the season. Uh, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, and the board of directors, according to Larry Burke, should simply ask the Seattle Kraken to advance up to half of its six hundred fifty million dollar expansion fee. That is due before the inaugural season. So they're just going to go instead of going around to the players with their hands out saying, yeah, you know what? You need to kick back some of your salary. Let's go to the team that actually is going to end up having to pay us anyway and take some of it up front. So now you're asking uh, Bruckheimer and And and, and his team to just cough up money that he wasn't expecting to have to cough up yet. I mean, I, I wish Gary Bettman a lot of luck in this. In some <laughs> ways, it actually does make sense, or at least I, enough sense to put into a newspaper these days. I think it makes sense. My issue is uh, how are you going – what is the league – what kind of inducements or what what can the league do or offer to Bonderman and Bruckheimer – and the T it was at the TIG group or something like that. Um, what inducements, what could they are TPG, excuse me, to, to get them to cough up that kind of dough because they're not expecting to have to pay that yet. They're not expecting to have to pay it. What they may be able to do though, is shuffle the finances to get it done earlier. Um, and I think that's what the leagues or at least Larry's idea is. Um, it would not surprise me if he had this idea in conjunction with <clears throat> unnamed league sources. Um, <laughs> unnamed? <laughs> high high ranking? <laughs> uh, and wanted to float it, and they wanted it floated about this way in order to see what any reaction might be out of Seattle. Um, are you convincing the NHL of playing uh, some sort of uh, – uh game with the the media and trying to gauge whether this is a successful idea or not no no i I mean would the nhl think that far ahead 
look, you and I know that there is no coach anywhere in professional sports that coaches through the media. <laughs> so there's obviously oh, there's none obviously, that do that. None. 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 So there's obviously not a sports franchise or sports league that might negotiate uh, financial arrangements through the media or engage in, you know, marketing via uh, news reports and leaks. Just out of the question. Um, see, what I do love about Larry Brooks is his his poetic license, the 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 verbiage that he, he uses instead of asking, say, Scott Mayfield, who was scheduled to earn one point two million this year for an immediate rebate that would amount to two hundred forty four two hundred forty two thousand four hundred dollars or twenty point two percent of his salary. Batman and his wartime consigliere, Boston owner Mr. Jacobs, should ask Seattle owners Bonderman and Brockheimer to float the league. The wartime consigliere Mr. Jacobs. <laughs> uh, that's that's a particularly floridly purple phrase, but I don't mind it. Um, I mean, the, it says here that the equity firm has a net worth of four billion dollars, according to Forbes. Yes, and but theoretically, that, theoretically, three hundred million shouldn't be a challenge for them, especially since it's money they were already planning on spending sometime this year. Or sometime before the end of next year. Um, I mean, that is one that is one tidbit of information in here that, or not in here, I should say, in the article as to when the Kraken have to have to actually pay this. All it says is it's before the twenty twenty one season. Correct. I mean, can they pay it the day before the the season starts? I mean. I think there's probably a earlier deadline. I, I would suspect it's probably sometime actually before the draft for that season. Um, but that's my hunch. Um, I don't. I haven't seen the the expansion paperwork. But I would assume that you not you don't want to mess up your uh, mess up your draft by having a team that's never going to compete because they haven't paid um, drafting first overall or. Well, for that matter, doing the expansion draft and then uh, the new, the entry draft. So you're asking the Seattle Kraken, who have played zero games in NHL history. That's to correct. Save the league that they're trying to join. Hmm. Um, yes, I, I, I believe that is the gist of Larry Brooks article. It's it is it is it is food for thought. I'm I Larry's done this to me a couple of times over you know since like say June or whenever the beginning of the year or beginning See, of when we started doing this show. He he every now and again he comes up with something that. Now yeah. for me, um, one of the thing one of the issues I would have if I were uh, Jerry Brockheimer and company is that given the. Given the production issues with getting TV shows uh, uh, recorded and into the lineup um, and movie slowdowns and essentially the complete absence of movie theaters uh, at this moment, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to have reduced revenue. Um, Jerry Brockheimer is, of course, behind several major TV franchises and not a few uh, blockbuster movies. Mm. So if they're relying on credit, 
to pay uh, the the franchise fees, I, I can see them uh, declining to pay early. Um, if they're pulling it out of cash, which or cash equivalents, yeah, might as well. It makes you look good. You're, it's going to earn you some favors with the other league owners. But again, um, if that's all it is, it, it, and then I'm referring back to my earlier question, you know, what's? I guess Bruckheimer could turn around and say, "What's in it for me?" Maybe he maybe he builds a relationship with um, with the NHL as a whole and the NHL Players Association that allows him to draw talent from the league, from the league offices um, for, you know, TV and movie promotion or even people theoretically acting in some of them. Uh, I mean, there's media companies that work with the WWE and Vince McMahon, and that's one of the most successful businesses in the country. Um, Not necessarily good at making movies, but... uh, (laughs) Also, not very good at uh, starting up uh, le- uh, sports leagues. Uh, terrible timing for that uh, for that second second run. Yeah, the, trying the XFL reboot there. I mean, it, but the the fact that he the fact that he can do something like that and still stay better than solvent, but still say yes, know, still say profitable. That speaks to his business acumen. It, I'm not whether saying that like, Brock whether you like whether you like McMahon or not. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a good number of reasons to not. Uh, you can't fail to respect his ability to make a buck. Yeah, that's true. And Brockheimer has clearly, like you said, been involved in multiple successful blockbuster movies and blockbuster TV shows and his production company and everything. I'm not saying he shouldn't do it. Like I said, I I kind of agree with Larry on this one. I think it's not a bad idea since they got to pay the money anyway to ask them if they could front half of it. It's just in terms of if Bruckheimer is, is this shrewd businessman and and whatnot, I get the feeling there's a shoe to drop and he's going to want to know what's in it for him. And I was trying to think of what the NHL could do to induce. Uh, You can't offer them things like extra draft picks or anything like that. No, you're playing favorites, but can the NHL give him some kind of agreement that they'll use his production company for uh, making promotional adverts or something? I don't know. Hey, even if they even if they give him a couple of series similar to the way um, the road to the Winter Classic is done now, or um, what do you call it? Uh, like hard knocks. Hard theme. knocks for football. Yeah. Um. That's that's stuff that could make a decent amount of money. You know that the NHL fans are always, always hungry for insider views. And it would be a good way for him to, you know, train up young, uh, young talent uh, in the ways of, uh, you know, lighting, camera, uh, interviewing, scripting, stuff like that um, at a lower cost than doing, you know, the next blockbuster uh transformers movie or something not that i believe he was behind those but um in fact Uh, no but you got like you got all the all those tom cruise movies in the 80s 
oh, the Bad Boys movies, the Beverly Hills Cop movies, Top Gun, uh, Days of Thunder, National, Tru- <laughs> National Treasure, um, SI, CSI. Yeah, the man, um, the, the man the knows. Amazing race. <laughs> the man knows how to make a dollar. <laughs> um, I want to earn say, a dollar. Uh, Miami Medical, Dark Blue. Um, I want to say he kicked off the. I could have sworn. Up, oh, he was involved with a couple of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> movies. Uh, yeah, I think I think Bruckheimer knows what he's doing. I just. I like the idea. It's a thinking outside the box idea. It could save aggravating the players, in which case they'd be more willing to play the schedule that the NHL yes. wants to put out. Or anything. It, it, it goes a long way towards smoothing things over. And if they can give him something, you know, give him some kind of production deal where, yeah, they make a hard knocks type of thing, NHL preseason with. Uh, I mean, even even though it's only like a two week long series, I mean, maybe you start with like at the draft and development camps and do stuff like that. I like it. I I'm not going to deny. I Larry got me with this one. I see. It's it opens up so many possibilities for Brockheimer, for the league, and for uh, the players and even the fans if. If there's some sort of um, two-way exchange here and not just the 31 current owners saying, pay up, damn it. Yeah, it doesn't sound good what they're trying to ask the players to do. I mean, I understand that there's a flat cap. That's going to fail. Yeah. It's going to fail short term or it's going to fail long term and it might fail both. But that's going to fail. I was thinking both, but... (laughs) Okay then. So we've got we've got the Kraken joining the league, saving the league, saving the season. What else do we have here? Hmm. Um, let's let's dive into actual hockey player stuff. Sure. Um, SI has an interesting story on the top ten RFAs still available. Um, I think there's I think it's a solid list overall. Um, I think that there's some there's players like, who I don't think are necessarily great, but we're also what two months into uh, the RFA uh, period opening. Yes, and how is Matthew Barzal still not signed? Oh wait, the Islanders have no money. <laughs> well, they had no money. I guess before we jump into those, oh, yeah. we can we can wave goodbye to a a, a stalwart friend, uh, Johnny Boychuk. Uh, has, has decided to hang up the skates. Uh, we all know he missed uh, several playoff games, at least with an injury. Um, I had not heard that it was an eye injury, much less that it was a second injury to the same eye. Um, but the former Boston Bruin, former, where was he drafted? Uh, was he Columbus? No, that was McQuaid. Um, Predators? I think he was drafted by the Predators. But uh, after, what, eight years in in New York, uh, he's done. Yeah, he got traded there in, no, wait a minute, is it eight years? I thought he was traded there in 
2014, unless it was 2012, in which case I'm off by a couple of years. It's a possibility. Um, oh, he was a Colorado Avalanche pick. All the way back in 2002. Won the Stanley um, Cup with Boston. Correct. Um, and you're right. It was the 14-15 season. Oh, that's right. That was the year he was traded, like, during um, – he was traded during uh, camp, during training camp, and it uh, apparently vexed a player or two in town. Um, October 4th, 2014, um, Bruins didn't do horrible for that uh, return. Um, they got the pick that turned into Brandon Carlo and the pick that turned into Ryan Lindgren, which the Ryan Lindgren pick was again, wasted on getting someone that was only here for <laughs> not much. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing with Boychuk and, and I want to thank him for Brandon Carlo, but the thing with Boychuk is that even he, even at 36, I mean, yes, he's 36. Okay, and we're going to go, oh, my goodness, it's 36. But there are some guys who are, are an old 36 and some guys who are young 36. I'm not going to say that he's a spry 23-year-old, but I also don't think that he was – I mean, I, it – He didn't look like the game had passed him. Exactly, yeah. I, I was going to say, it's kind of like Zdeno Chara. He looked a little bit slower in the pretendoffs this season, but for the most part, even at 41, you know, the last couple of years, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look like the game had passed him by, was leaving him behind. Johnny was the same way. He didn't look like the game. He, I think the offense has kind of dwindled down a little bit. He's become more of a – he still gets up into the rush, but he's more of a two-way defenseman now than an offensive defenseman. I mean – I think he had to be. Uh, they're really well with the Islanders. I think, yeah, I think it was required as well. I mean, it was him and Seidenberg as the only viable defensive minded defenseman for a while. And then Seidenberg was gone. Yeah. I, I mean, he did say back in June that the eye was, it seemed like it was a hundred percent and it was, there was nothing there that had him, had him worried about being on the ice again. So that was my surprise when I saw the article that he was retiring. But it is also the second injury on the same eye, and I can understand the concern there as well. He was fun to watch. There wasn't many Bruins games you could go without hearing Jack screaming about a Johnny Rocket. So, uh, No, not, uh, not very many. Um, and as we as we mentioned, he was part of that uh, cup win, and mm-hmm. that was that was just a fun year to be a to be a Boston Bruins hockey fan. Something felt different from the start of the season. This is true, Tim Thomas. <laughs> well, there was Tim Thomas, and I think that was the year they had that early game against the Washington Capitals. Um, and the caps were doing everything and to uh, everything but score. And out of the crowd comes a chant sometime in the second period that haunted the caps for the rest of the game. And it was simply direct. It was directed at everyone who took a shot from, um, 
from Ovechkin through Semen through John Carlson, it was, you can't finish. And for that chance, <laughs> for that chance to come out at all against a highly offensively powered team is amazing. For it to happen in the first two, three weeks of the season, a little bit breathtaking. Yes. But it was a fun season. And I, I, to get Johnny to get Johnny away from Colorado was a, at the time didn't think much of it, but turned turned out to be a pretty good move. So thanks, Johnny. I uh, hope you're successful in whatever you do in retirement. And now we can talk about how your retirement is going to allow your franchise to sign their number one RFA. Absolutely. Um, the the RFA list is it, it's I mean, it's it's got the expected names. Um, it starts off with Matthew Barzal of the New York Islanders. They kind of need to sign him. He's more than good. Um, and he's more than good as a fit for that team. Um, you know, 85 point rookie season. Those don't happen too often in the NHL. True. That's for those keeping, not keeping track at home. That is indeed more than a point per game, um, on a team that has been accused of being overly defensive minded, even without necessarily a great defense. Um, I like, I mean, I like Barzell a lot, but I don't know that he's the best, uh, the best player on this list. I'm going to actually skip the second person listed. Okay. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, goaltender, New York, New Jersey devils, only goalie on the list. I'm not as high on him as I think you are. And a lot of other people are. I like Some Mackenzie is, Blackwood. Yeah, I think that the fact that he's on that New Jersey Devils team, I think he gets exposed a lot. I think that a young goaltender like him with a behind a defense such as uh, obviously the Bruins or or say the Predators or or even even Carolina to a or Carolina. Yeah, I think you get to see you get better quality. Yeah, I think you get to see a, a better picture, get a better picture of what Blackwood's capable of. I think that just it's a young. I mean, the Devils aren't. It, they're more a mishmash of players than they are a collection of talent at this point in time. Sure. Uh, next on the list are two players who I think uh, who I definitely want to see more of. Um, you've got Ethan Bear, defenseman for the Oilers. I like um, Ethan what, Bear. I what I saw of him, I do like. Um, averaged uh, 21.53 a night uh, in the 19.20 season. Um, as a rookie. As a rookie, not not a terrible not a terrible thing to have happen. It, Admittedly, the 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 uh, the back end of the Oilers isn't extremely deep uh, or competitive, but. 21 uh, 22 minutes a night is still 22 minutes a night and you have to be you have to be doing something right in order to get that I mean yes the 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 top level the top tier defensemen in the league are averaging what 25 26 
Me. Uh, it's probably 24 or 25, but yeah. So he, I mean, he's not there yet, but if you're averaging 22 as a rookie or just shade yeah. under 22 as a rookie, somebody's got, somebody thinks that you're capable of handling it. So yeah, I think there's something there. It, he certainly bears watching. Absolutely. Uh, Jack Roslovic, right wing for the Winnipeg Jets. Right wing. Um, 29 points uh, last year. Um, some people think that that's probably about as high as he's going to get, which makes it curious that he made this list. <laughs> I <laughs> Fair enough. I, I was thinking it, but you said it. Okay. I I have to wonder what it would what the team is going to look like if they can snatch uh, another useful defender, uh, is particularly a, a two way defender for the uh, for the team, who can give them some depth at moving the puck up and down the ice uh, on the back end. Um, I think that's going to help pretty much all of the forwards. Um, you've got Dylan Strom. Um, I don't think a single family of hockey players has been more overhyped in the past decade than the Strom family. <laughs> Dylan and I'm not Ryan. saying that they're bad hockey players, but you heard them being talked about like they were the well, each of them was the second coming of Lemieux. It seemed like every year there was another Strom to draft. It was like, I don't know, the Quins nowadays. Oh, worse, worse. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've place. had we've had Brady and Jack, and wait, we still got Luke coming next next draft. So it's like, yeah, I don't think there's as many Quins as there are Stroms. I think there's more in the Strom family, but oh, there's uh, let's see, there's at least three Stroms uh, from the. Well, you've got Dylan Ryan. And Matthew, I believe. Uh, Yeah, Matthew is also, uh, he was a 99 birth. And he is, he's a Flyers pick. Uh, Played in the A and the E last year. Uh, Something tells me that he's probably not going to see quite as many NHL games as his brothers. Oh, okay. Um, just a hunch that the number 106 pick from 2017 is not going to see as much as guys taking the front end of the first round. Just a hunch. No, good hunch. My question with Dylan here on the Chicago team, I mean, A, you've got Kirby Doc, who I really like him, and the size yep. that that kid carries, the speed, the shot, I really like Kirby Doc. But Dylan Strong, my question is, after averaging almost point per game, in 1819 mm-hmm. he loses 13 points in the same number of games uh, what's the result why is there a dip and if he's going if he's trending downward how how does he make this list i mean are we going on past performance and saying that this is a possibility that he could get to it again we could say that about every player. Um, 
I don't know. Um, I would I would want to look at his month by month breakdown. Maybe he's a guy who entered the season injured or had a big injury during. No, he played. He must have played all the games because uh, I don't know. Uh, but that that is a pretty big dip. Although, in fairness, that Chicago team is uh, not good and was probably less good last year than the year before overall whatever you think of Dylan Strum's performance. Okay, fair enough. Oh, we got a winger next. We have a winger next, uh, and it's not John. Uh, Jesper Bratt. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, young guy, left wing, New Jersey Devils, uh, second of those on this list. Uh, 32 points in all of his all three seasons. Um, I think the hopes were higher uh, in that first year and maybe the second year. Um, Although the fact that he hit 32 in just 58 games in his most recent season is promising. um, Given that the, that they played under 60 games. Um, I, I think that the New Jersey devils can't, afford to give up on him um, anytime before they can either get a really good return. I could have sworn I heard you say that they should go after the Bruins should go after Jesper Branson. Oh yeah. Uh, Well, they, they, for the devils, they can't afford to give up on him without getting a really good return or seeing him with more good players. I would Uh, agree. Career high on goals last year um, at 16, uh, he had a down year in his second uh, NHL campaign, um, and he managed to double the previous year in just nine more games. Um, more importantly, in theory, his plus minus went from a minus 16 his first year, which uh, terrible, um, no two ways about that, to a minus eight his second year, to a minus six his third year probably indicates that he's doing a little bit more um, for the entire length of the ice. Um, Honestly, to be merely a minus six on that atrocious Devils team last year is probably an action is is probably actually an accomplishment. Um, Okay. I only, I can only think of half a dozen regular players who would have been less bad. I mean, you look at uh, you look at any of the other players who scored nearly as much as uh, Brett did, and I mean you have Blake Coleman who had 31 points in 57 games. He was a minus two. Kyle Palmieri, Blake 45 Coleman? points. He's yes. not with he's not with the Devils now though. He's last with, year. Oh yes. okay, yeah, last, last year. Because he's with Tampa. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Palmieri. Uh, 45 points minus four. And then Connor Carrick was also a minus six, but he only played uh, 29 games. Okay. And then uh, Will Butcher was next on the list. Also a very young player. Will uh, Butcher. What happened to Will Butcher? Stormed onto the NHL scene. Unsigned. Other guys who could move the puck. Ah. And also, it looks like an injury or three. Okay. So Jesper Bratt has some potential, some oh, upside. 
I think I think he's a really really fun player to watch. Um, it would be fascinating to see him playing uh, playing with a solid center and a good right wing elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, not a hundred percent sure. I mean, it could be really really fun to see him play with Buffalo with say Skinner and. Um, their captain, uh, the local boy who's Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel. Correct. Whose name is escaping me. (laughs) Fair enough. That would be a fun, fun, fun line. Unless you're, you know, the other team's defense or goaltender. There you go. Vince Dunn. Ah. Probably. He probably entered last year as the most high profile on this list. Uh, among guys who had actually played in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just like watching him play. Yes, He's a very is- solid, very consistent performer. Uh, I don't know why he's still unsigned almost uh, in December. Could it be the fact that St. Louis has no money? <laughs> hey, not having any cap space hasn't stopped many teams from well apparently not, i was gonna say apparently it hasn't stopped nine of them because at the moment i believe it's nine teams that are currently over the cap so you're so you're saying that there's 30 percent of the nhl is over the cap 30 percent doesn't know how to control their spending yes doesn't <laughs> which is clearly clearly the players fault and the money should come out of the players pockets oh we're going back to that first story again no more kidding. Uh, details details um I like Vince Dunn. Um, I haven't looked up how many minutes per night he plays. I don't think he plays 21 or 22 minutes a night. But He was playing with Petrangelo. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all of his shifts, but a, a good number of them. And then you have another young guy in Philip Myers. Um, I haven't seen enough of him out yet. Of Philadelphia. To- yes. I haven't seen much of him. I don't hate any of what I did see. Um, and given how much cap space the Flyers have, unless they're looking for to be on the receiving end of a salary dump, um, just get it done. <laughs> Seriously, sign the player, let the player get back to working out and being uh, and being focused on hockey whenever it arrives. Uh, just to uh, since I'm uh, you know we we are a full uh, full uh, transparency and uh, Vince Dunn's minutes per game over the course of his career average out to just a shade over 17 minutes per yeah so he's not going to be ridiculously expensive to sign you're not talking a five million dollar a year player you're talking two yeah. He's got 82 point. Yeah, he's got 82 points in 224 games. Uh, so it's a third of a point per game, mm. which is very respectable for, especially for a guy who's playing that few minutes. They're they're a top pairing NHL defenseman who are playing 24 minutes a night, who don't get that, or who barely pass that, and those guys are playing with the best offensive players on their teams too. It's kind of average in blocking and hitting. I mean, he's not, if I'm not mistaken, he's not the, 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 
biggest guy on the ice either. Now he's six oh, foot two hundred pounds. He's not small. Um, he's bigger than I thought. For some reason, I thought he was in that five ten, five eleven range. But nope. you know, six foot, couple hundred pounds. I, I like him. I like what I've seen after watching him over the last couple of years since he was a rookie. And he, I mean, he does tend to start more in the offensive zone. I mean, his uh, his breakdown is almost 60% offensive zone starts. That is more than I expected, honestly. 59.8, yeah. But, other, I mean, if that's really all I've got to, as far as negatives, then, and, and that's not necessarily his call. Nope. That's when the coach comes over, taps him on the head and says, go, 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 you know, change it up. So yeah, I like the I like as far as this list, I like Vince Dunn. I certainly Arzal like Brat. I I, I I certainly can deal with 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 Brat. Uh, I would I I might even I might even send a, an offer sheet Ethan Bears way. Yeah, I I think he's a re- as I said I think he's a really fun and interesting player to watch, particularly given the dynamics of that uh, of that Oilers team. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my opinion, the single breakout star of the playoffs and pretendoffs last or earlier this year, yes, he was, is also on this list, and that's Math. Uh, I'm sorry, that's Pierre Luc Dubois. Somebody explain to me how they have not paid this man yet. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're having a, you know, an entirely 24 karat gold uh, pen made. And because of the uh, public health situation, it's not been delivered yet. But uh, beyond that, can't think of a reason. I'm thinking this guy is clearly your number one center. Clearly you're a... On, on more than, on close to twenty teams in the league, he could be your best player. There's that possibility as well. Yes, certainly fifteen, probably as many as seventeen. Uh, I would have to really sit down and look at it, but based on his playoff, his playoff performance, Pierre Luc Dubois was absolutely amazing back-breaking to play against. It was beautiful. I mean, as good as their top defensive guys were, and Seth Jones is really, really good, Pierre-Luc Dubois was the talk of hockey for their entire playoff run. In their 10 pretend off games, he averaged 23 minutes a night. Uh, 10 Which points. is huge. 10 points in 10 games. Uh, face-off win percentage was a hair under 56. Which is, and that's that's Selkie quality uh, face-off numbers. That's legitimately Selkie quality face-off numbers. And he did it on a team that was... Certainly viewed as the weak sister going into the playoffs. He had himself a D. De- I mean, yes. Was it only was it only ten games? It was only ten games. Any 
it, anytime you can make it more than five games against multiple opponents and average a point per game, you're Four doing goals. something. Four goals, six assists, uh, plus three. He had one game winner. Of those four goals, only one was a power play. The other three were even strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just it, his it, granted, and and the thing is, in the regular season with him, he played he played he played all seventy games. He only had forty nine points. It's not you know it, it's a good performance. It's a it, but it's not like jump out of your. It doesn't jump off the page at you and scream, "Oh my God, this guy's a superstar!" But no, when they got to those pretend, when they got to those summertime playoffs, some some summertime, it was like a different Pierre Luc Dubois. He was, he seemed more forceful. He seemed more uh, just engaged and enthralled. And, and can we and just he, go ahead and call it beast mode? He, he went. He did because he, he went from. He went from averaging just a shade under 18 minutes a night in the regular season to almost 23 in the playoffs. And 18 <laughs> minutes a night as a forward, that's that's about as much as you're going to see uh, from most forwards. 23 minutes a night, I, I don't think that there were 10 forwards in the NHL who averaged that in a regular season any time in, in any given year in the past decade. His face-off win percentage in the regular season was 45. He increased it by 10% in the playoffs. He uh, went up five minutes a night per game in the playoffs. It, it, this man is almost worth having on your roster just for playoff performance. I mean, going – he's only three years into his NHL career. He's he 20. played all 82 games in the first two seasons each. 26 games, eight, assist, eight goals, 11 assists, 19 total points in his playoff career. I, why? Yeah. Why is this conversation happening? Why are we talking about this man not being signed? Wait, he's 22 years old. He's 6'3", 218 pounds. So... Not small, not physically challenged, not, you know, this is a guy who can not only dominate face-off wise, but physically, and and, and he showed saw, it in the playoffs. We <laughs> saw everything you want to see from a, from an NHL center from Pierre-Luc Dubois in those playoffs. We so saw that, him, we saw him take the puck from end to end. Mm-hmm. We saw him make exceptional passes we saw him score some really really pretty goals um and we saw him keep his cool when things were melting down not a lot of 22 year olds are going to deliver that not a lot of 26 year olds are going to deliver that the fact that he did and he's been so consistent as a playoff performer i mean the thing is, they've got $9.2 million in cap space. Okay. And he is, the, he is their only free agent. Yes. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. His worst playoff performances, two of them, are half a point per game. There's a certain guy who used to play there who went to New York who was 
who was traded here to Boston. He had a he had a cup of coffee. Never in hit yeah. that high. Who never got to half a point per game in the playoffs and was paid much much more than Pierre Luc Dubois. I'm just wondering why. I, I guess my question, my first question is, what is Yarmo Kikalainen waiting on? Is there some other deal he's expecting to see that's going to set a precedent? Because I think we're past that at this point. Uh, his agent is Pat Brisson. Pat, if you're listening, drop us an email at those two at uh, twomanforcheck.com. We would love to hear if there's been some breakdown, if Pierre Luke is waiting on uh, the public health situation to deci- uh, to, to sign. Want to know? Yeah. I mean, I understand that he's going to get a raise and I understand that he's going to get paid, but. Even even if it's just a bridge contract, that's, you know, three or four years so that um, he can get the bigger money after the health situation and the Kraken uh, enter the league and the revenue is back to normal-ish or higher. Higher is always good. Um, this should be done already. Yeah. This is... This is exactly the wrong path to trot. You are setting up your your future RFAs and basically telling them "Eh, you're not that important even when they are. Because if you think that there's a young player in your system who's going to replace, who's going to step into the lineup and replace uh, Dubois as a playoff force, and oh, by the way, he I hasn't. I would love to a, believe that. Yeah, I would love to believe it. No, I would love to believe it too. I was just going to say, and and I, I apologize for uh, stepping, but he hasn't missed a game yet in his career. And okay, it's only three years long. I granted it's a smaller sample size, but three years of NHL hockey is not a simple task. The only games he's missed are the games where we were paused. He played eighty-two. 82 and 70 and then he played six playoff games 10 playoff games 10 playoff games he hasn't missed a game yet yeah so okay physical and injury history and and, there's he checks all the boxes I don't know if there's a way to I mean yes can we offer sheet him and then we could get then, 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 Donnie could get the the, the stink eye like Mark Bergevin did, um, but somebody's got to make a somebody's got to make a move on this guy. And it, any offer sheet is probably is almost certain to be matched for him. But guess what? Someone should make it anyways. Whether it's the Rangers or. We talked about, you know, Jesper Bratt looking good in Buffalo. Uh, I think I think they'd make room for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Then Chicago Blackhawks, they need to start getting younger and better. And this is younger and and better. Wait, I have a question, though. Does Jack, I- how, is, does Jack Eichel, or I should say, is Jack Eichel happy that Pierre-Luc Dubois comes to town? Or is he upset because... Now you got a fight on your hands. Who's your number one center? Uh, 
there there are people who will argue that Eric Stahl is already fighting for that. <laughs> I'm not sure. About Eric, I'm not yeah. sure I agree with them at present. Three or four years ago, maybe. Um, I think I I still think that yeah, Eichel is your number one. I think Eric Stahl needs to center the second line. <laughs> but let's just say you start the next season with Eichel, Dubois. And stall down the center. Centering your third line. I mean, is is that a win, Eric Stahl centering your third line? I think so. (laughs) How many teams in the league right now are better than that down the center? Mm. If you're you're coming up with a number of higher than three, please lay down until that feeling goes away. Vegas, maybe. Mm. No, Vegas is a strong. No. Vegas is a strong team. No. Um, but no. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. I, whatever number it is you're looking for, it's very, very, very small. It's absolutely single digits, and it. Pro- I can't conceive of any argument for any team beating them regularly at one, two, and three. And not just one and two, um, but one, two, and three, where you come up with a number that's more than five. Like, if you've come up with a number more than five, uh, seek, seek <laughs> I was going to say, what, what, what are you looking, what is your, what is your, uh, your, your checkbox list for <laughs> better centers than... I mean, are you looking at, like, a divisional all-star team? In which case, okay, I'll probably give it to you. But beyond that, going to have to pass. I Yeah, and you know what? I'm having trouble finding... I'm having trouble finding any teams that I would line up with against those three centers. I mean, there's a couple of teams who will beat them. There's probably four te- three or four teams that are definitely better at... Two of those three number, two of those three slots. I think that Bergeron is still going to beat Eichel one on one in faceoffs and defensively, and has a good shot at walking out of a series with the same number of points or more. Well, yeah, it's getting to that. It's getting to that third center position because you can always say, okay, Colorado, yes, Nathan McKinnon number one, then you get Kadri number two. And that's it's getting to that third. I mean, JT Comfer, I like him, but he plays more wing than center. You know, it, it's and is he better than Eric Stahl? Not in the center position. No. So uh, you, you have Pittsburgh, whose top two are obvious, uh, obviously very good. I don't know who their number three center is. And that's I'm not where, sure they know who their number three center is going into next point. year. And that's where they, I mean, can you go to the Lightning and say, okay. Braden Point is your top center. Uh, but then you start running into things like who's your Tyler Johnson? He's been playing a little more wing lately. Um, Stamkos. <laughs> is Stamkos going to be healthy? Yeah. Which so is something he hasn't accomplished in years. And then you got Mitchell Stevens and Anthony Sorelli, who's <laughs> should also be on this list. <laughs> I mean, Stamkos is in, Stamkos is actually listed over on Cap Friendly as a right as a center slash right wing and the right wing on the center line uh, to Sorelli. 
I think that I think he's been playing more wing in in recent years than center. Yep. So Sorelli solid. Uh, I don't actually know that I would take Sorelli over Pierre Luc Dubois. So no, maybe you can say Tampa Bay uh, doesn't win that one. But and yeah, is their third line center. You you can get to two, but it's getting to that third. So yes, if you had Eichel Dubois in either, however you want to yes, put them in, and stall and then stall at three. Yeah, they, you really can't top that in the NHL as far as down the middle. No, and the question is, are you going to have enough wingers to play with those three to make it worth having Stahl on your third line? And that, I just don't know. I know they turned over a lot of younger players uh, this year, or a lot of older players this year in Buffalo. Um, Part of it's also going to depend on the cost of getting him if you actually end up making a trade, but... Buffalo doesn't have the cap space right now. <clears throat> Buffalo's yeah. only got three and a half mil to the cap. So, yeah, if they so were they to have try to and trade Sam Reinhardt or <coughs> something. My apologies. Yeah, I. I eh. It would it would make for a very interesting conversation as far as Buffalo is concerned, because they, they do, st- I mean, they do still have a lot of young Eichel's 24 Skinner's 28, you know, Taylor Hall is old. He's still only 29. Yeah. They've got, they've got two guys that are over 30 and that's Ocposo and Eric's the aforementioned Eric Stahl. Uh, but everybody else is in their twenties. Olafson rookie of the year candidate until he got hurt at 25 even Zemgus Gergensens, who seems like he's been around forever, is only 26. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys who you think is should be like 30. And nope. It's actually nope. quite a young team. Uh, Kevin Adams actually has a chance to really show his GM acumen and putting this team together. He's got some pieces to work with. I mean. Up front. I, I don't think that his defense. Uh, I'm. I think his defense has. I mean, no, but what I'm saying is there's stuff to work with there. Oh, there's stuff to work with, absolutely. And yeah, he needs to work on the goaltending issue as well. Because uh, I mean, looking at their defense, um, I legitimately, if I took over an NHL franchise today, Colin Miller would not be on my, and Montour would not be on my roster. <laughs> uh, Matt Irwin would not be on my roster, and I'd have to think very carefully about. Um, probably one or two others, and that's with a that's with only two left defensemen on, or three left defensemen projected on the roster, and two of them are on entry level deals. Brandon Montour, I'd probably keep around. I maybe I'm not I'm not 100 percent sold on him. Came out of the Anaheim Duck system. Yes. My apologies, I got a frog in my throat. Um, but he came out of Anaheim. He hasn't missed. He hasn't missed a game. He played eighty-two games, and this is only his. He's only going into his fourth season. I mean, again, oh, a young guy. I don't think he's terrible. 
So, My apologies. He missed two games in the 17-18 season. I'm going to guess at the end of the year. But 32 points. I mean, has his offensive production gone down? Actually, he went from 32 up to 35 last season in 54 games. He only had 18. He seemed to be concentrating more on the defense, though, because his plus-minus went from a negative. Uh, last season, he was actually a plus-13. I I liked him when he was with Anaheim. I, I'm Maybe he's I'm just overworked in Buffalo. I don't know, but I I don't know. Okay, fair enough. I just think that Kevin Adams, I, it, it's not the franchise, and we've t- talked about it many times, it, it, you know, if we were going to pick one, it would be Ottawa because of all the pieces they have and the, the fun it would be to, to build that team up. But Buffalo's got to be somewhere in the top three, top five, as far as franchises that have potential. Uh, I'll give you a top five without having to think about it too much. Um, I know that there are two or three other franchises like, uh, like uh, the Canucks that we really liked as well. Oh, yeah. Although the Canucks are a little more ben- cash-strapped. But Benning's got some... Benning has done a very good job with that franchise as far as getting him and hiring Travis Green is not <laughs> not that's one of his one of the bad most decisions. understated that's been one of the most understated hirings in in years nobody actually talks about him but the job that he's done with that team superb it, yeah i'm not I'm, i i i mean thought he should he, be i thought he had i Coach of the Year uh, uh, possibilities. I mean, you and I did a a segment on them a couple of years ago uh, with with someone uh, with one of the local Vancouver writers talking about uh, Goldie Gate being the most important charge for uh, for Travis Green as a head coach and. He's. I think he's navigated it perfectly because it, Goldie's it never, not even it, in the NHL. I was anymore. gonna say it never. It never even came to fruition. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, that was what Anton Glodobin or something like that or Goldobin. Yeah, Goldobin. He. I don't think that he's even in North American hockey. Uh, if he is, I don't remember where he is because he's not that good. Nope. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, he's not even listed on there. He's not listed on uh, on cap friendly as belonging to them. I'd have to actually go and either hit hockey database, hockey DB or something. But he's not listed with Vancouver anymore, so. And that's a crying shame. What's next? <laughs> I just say I'm sure Travis is is upset by that. <laughs> uh, have we covered everything we need to cover? Is the question? Oh. Um, uh, let's see where, where was it? Oh, the uh, women's hockey league. Ah, uh, yes. They're doing something a little bit different this year. Um, they are going to play, which is awesome because, uh, well, uh, they deserve to play too. And, uh, the NH, the NWHL, 
uh, has decided that they want to do their entire season and playoffs in one bubble run. Uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN reports uh, that uh, the NWHL is going to try and shorten uh, everything into a January 23rd to February 5th uh, run in Lake Placid. Six teams uh, will each play uh, five games facing each team in the league once. Followed by the Isabel Cup playoffs, all games will be played at the Herb Brooks Arena. Um, if you don't know why it's called that, get off my lawn. Um, <laughs> um, uh, daily testing or regular testing for uh, that public health concern that we're really trying not to talk about. Um, there is precedent here. Uh, and back in the spring or late spring, yeah. Major League Lacrosse, which has six teams in their league, managed to conduct a full season in playoffs in, I believe it was like nine days. Yes. Uh, actually, I believe the two of us were watching a bunch of those games. <laughs> yes. The Boston Cannons ended up winning. Yay. But, I mean, it was... It was just amazing how the and the games were on the four letter network ESPN later at night, and they were literally running back to back games like two or three games in a day, and it just managed to get themselves through a, a, a round robin and, and a shortened season around robin and, and and getting to a championship. So there is precedent here; it, it can be done. The number of teams makes it easier to do and and we've said it before that we feel that this league has potential and should be expanded you know the the nhl should step in and and help it grow but given where it is now i it's but it has potential and yeah if you can get some if they're going into a bubble and there's no butts in seats I, i mean it would be nice to get some fans into the stadium um I hope that those games are going to be available on TV um, of some sort, whether it's a dedicated streaming service, free or paid, um, whether it's uh, one of the regular channels, whether it's I don't care. But I really, really, really would like to be able to watch uh, those games. It would be nice if they could get them on. Um, Because that is that's going to be a unique format. I mean, it's a short season, so. It might not be the neatest, cleanest hockey uh, we've ever seen in our lives. That said, it's hockey. It's professional hockey. <laughs> and uh, go ahead. No, I it, it just it, I was just going to say that it, the last paragraph here kind of telling because you don't really want to name co-champions, but due to the mm, the issue uh, that we that shall not be named. They had they ended up canceling their finals, their final, excuse me, and the Pride, the Boston Pride, and the Minnesota Whitecaps co-champions for the season. 
it was I, a big deal back in college football when they had national champion because you had the writers name one national champion and the coaches name another, and that's why they finally created a football playoffs. To have to share the championship, I mean, ultimately this year has been a crazy year, but if you can get it, get them into that two-week span and, and actually have a, a – but yes, I would like to see it on TV, and it would be enjoyable to watch. College Having football, been to women's hockey, college football is almost too big to have a viable playoff system because I'm not even sure that their ranking system is viable or even intelligible. <laughs> it's not not intelligible because there's a whole strength of season, strength of uh, opponent algorithm, and everything. And I don't want to get into it, but yeah, it was the only thing I could think of as far as where they have co-champions or have had in the past. And I'm much more okay with co-champions, given that there were playoffs played, than I ordinarily would be. And I think co-champions are better than no champions, unless you're naming the entire league or every team that qualified for the playoffs co-champions, in which case you're entirely missing the point. I agree with you. I think it was better to have co-champions than in the case of, say, the AHL or the ECHL, where they didn't have playoffs and they just canceled the season. Does that mean that all of the statistics for those individual players are gone as well? Pretty or much. get some kind of asterisk or whatever? So, uh, it, I want to see them on TV. I, I do. <laughs> One more thing to talk about. Okay. Um, our friends over at NBC Sports in the person of Nick Gobb uh, put together a NHL uh, 2020 power rankings. All 31 teams as the new season approaches. Um, and I don't know if that approach is going to look more like Haley's Comet or uh, Wiley Coyote plunging off a cliff, but it, it is definitely a list. Um, right there at the top of the page, your Detroit Red Wings, number 31. Ouch. <laughs> I noticed you're saying ouch, but not wrong, which is about the only statement. I, did, I was going to say, I didn't say it was wrong. I just said ouch. <laughs> it is uh, going to be another, he's right, it is going to be another long season, but I have faith in Eisenman that he'll turn it around. California teams are in that near that bottom of the league. Do you agree with number thirty though? Um, no, I Seriously. don't. Actually. I don't agree with number thirty. Uh, I really, I think that I don't think that if this were going to be a normal eighty-two game season, that the Ottawa Senators would make the playoffs. I also don't think that they're going to be a traditional bottom five lottery team. I think they, the only reason to justify putting them this slow is that the Eastern conference as generally constructed, and we're going to ignore the strong possibility that there'll be realignment for the year um, is significantly stronger than the Western conference. I don't like it. I think that Ottawa is probably better than all three California teams or certainly two. Yeah. I think they're better than Anaheim. I think they're better than LA at this point. Yeah. Uh, you can make an argument uh, for San Jose being better. 
I'm not sure it's a great one, but okay. Are they better than Chicago? Chicago did make the playoffs last year. Well, uh, they made wait, you mean the thing that they had in the summer? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I mean, the Minnesota Wild are still listed way down at 23, where essentially they belong. That's probably about right for them. The Rangers are listed at 21, which I find very slightly curious. I think the Devils are a little high on this list. Uh, I mean, at 21, uh, assuming a rough split uh, in the top 20 of the list, that actually puts them right close to playoff contention, which I think is right. I don't know. That, I, I don't I'm not predicting them to make a, st- a traditional 16 team playoff. I think that that's uh, a little bit out of their reach this year without a lot of help. Then you have the Montreal Canadiens at 20. This one's low. This one is low. Like I, if I think that they're probably maybe the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I'm I'm not inscribing their name on the cup by any stretch of the imagination, but. You, you wander around the Eastern Conference in whatever order you care to put them in. You can easily put Tampa Bay, Carolina, mm-hmm. the Islanders, the Bruins, yeah. the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's five right there. And who did I miss? Either the Flyers or the Penguins um, in that top or Dude. top. Seven or eight. I, so you, I don't think it's a stretch that the Montreal Canadiens make the playoffs in their own right this year, uh, in the in the in the top eight. Am I going to say they're going to win the Eastern uh, win their division? No. So Are you going to say they're going to win the conference? No. So you're saying they should be ranked better than twentieth? Yes, and ahead of the Buffalo Sabers. I also I I have Florida issue with Panthers. a couple of teams on this, a couple of placements on this list, but. Buffalo and I still think that Buffalo and Florida are probably the most egregious, um, at least jumping through the list so far. Yeah. Islanders down at 15. <coughs> that one seems a little rude. I don't think that that's a I don't think that's quite high enough, but whatever. Columbus okay. at 14. I can live with that. I don't like it, but I can live with it. Are they better than the Islanders, though? I mean, the Islanders losing losing Grice and losing Devin Tays on the back end. I think it depends on how healthy they are going into the year and whether they actually get, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois resigned. I mean, coaching-wise, you've got two of the best right there at 14 and 15 in, in Tortorella and Trot. So that's a wash. Um, Vancouver Canucks being this high is going to surprise some people at 13. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. (laughs) Um, and let's just jump up to the top five. Yeah. Um, and no, uh, and spoilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not in this top five. Um, so number five, we have the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, no. 
Um, no. <laughs> that one gets uh, two thumbs down, and I a, don't understand it. That's my fault. I, I I don't get it. And WTF in uh, like six foot font. <laughs> six foot font. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't yes. know who I don't know if Elaine Vigneault sent this guy the check or what, but that, that's well. Um, I think at one point NBC Sports was owned by the same company as the Flyers. I don't oh, remember. Okay. If that's still true. Uh, Washington Capitals number four. Uh, no. Uh, I think that that. I think that's a little high. I think they should be like somewhere in the six, seven range. Colorado Avalanche at number three. Yeah. I, I was surprised that the Western conference did not come down to the Colorado Avalanche and the, uh, and the golden Knights last year really was. I'm, I'm okay with Colorado at three. I mean, I think I think if you place them anywhere between four and two, um, you're probably fine. Although I don't know that I think genuinely think they're one of the strongest playoff teams in the league. Regular season, sure. I don't know if I'm ready to show the kind of love that every other writer and hockey analyst is showing Brandon Saad at this point. I mean, top trading for a top six vote with champion. Yes, he's got championship experience. I get that. But I'm I guess I'm not as big on Brandon Saad, but everything I've read is like how great Brandon Saad is. And this was, you know, is it a good move for Colorado? Sure. You bring in that. uh, Not that they necessarily need somebody with huge playoff experience. They do need somebody with championship experience. I get it. But uh, bringing in Devin Tays is also a good move. No, they're fine with they are at three. That's good. I think one of the things I like about Brandon Saad being added is he has the championship experience, yeah. but he's still, what, half a decade from mascot status? Maybe maybe longer. <laughs> a lot I of like teams that. they mascot status. Okay. A lot of teams they bring in these guys who they expect to suddenly infuse the team with a desire to win one for uh win one for the mascot and at 28, that's not Brandon Saad. He won a couple of cups while he was with Chicago. Wait, wait, wait. Brandon Saad's only 28? Yeah. He's another one of those guys who has oh, been in the gosh. league since yeah, he was that's born. what I'm thinking. He, I mean, <laughs> wasn't he part of like three championships with, with – with, I wow, believe so, okay. yeah. So, yeah, he is another one of those guys. I'm thinking he's in his 30s. Wow, okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> – he's better – I mean, he's played, what, 10 seasons I think at this point? Uh, his good. first year, his first NHL games were in the 11-12 uh, season. Only played two regular season and two playoff games. Okay, that was a that was an LA Kings year. Um, Twelve but, was LA Kings. Twelve thirteen. He's played in the league since. Wow. Okay. And he's played a majority of the games. I I then I then I apologize to Brandon because I'm thinking. I, I mean, he's a solid, solid player. He's only had one 30-goal season, but these players never have a 30-goal season. Um, this is true. Uh, 347 points in 588 games. Not terrible. Uh, yeah. Not not world uh, not world beating, but certainly not that's terrible. Not, I'm, that's not his game, though. I mean, he's less of a, a 
a full-on goal scorer than uh, than uh, most of the. I mean, they're not going to ask him to do what Nathan McKinnon does. That's no, that's he's not going to be competing with Nathan McKinnon for most goals in the season. Um, not unless McKinnon has a down year and he has a career year. Right. So number two, um, just mentioned them a minute ago. The uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Still think they should be. I still think that that's a little low, but okay. Um, I'll, I'll go along with it because you can't really not rank the number one team as being the team from the the, the championship from. So see, I can happily rank teams, uh, uh, formerly number one teams, for two reasons. I still think they lose players. Yeah. And repeating is ridiculously yeah. difficult in the NHL. Yes, I'm. I still think that it. I still think Vegas should be number one in the league. I thought they were number one last year. I was as shocked as everybody else when Dallas eliminated them. I don't. I think that Dallas basically girded up their loins and put every ounce of their 110 percent effort into getting past Vegas and it showed when they got to the final against Tampa. Oh, they, they sold out again. They sold out against Vegas and it showed they played their hearts out. And yeah, uh, they, they were still above room temperature when they got to play Tampa, but that's really all you can say for the raw, what was left of the roster. I'm not saying they didn't try against Tampa, but they were they were spent. Oh no, they tried. I just don't think they had anything left in the tank. Um, and Tampa, even at full strength, Tampa I think is a better team. And Tampa, of course, number one. I mean Vegas, and the thing is that McPhee and and now now Kelly McCrimmon being in charge, McPhee is still there watching over his shoulder probably, but but Kelly McCrimmon taking over the duties a year or so ago. I, they're still making moves. They bring in Mark Stone last year. They go out and they get the number one defense, the number one defensive free agent this season in in Petrangelo, which by the way was kind of a surprise. I know that they were trying to move money around, and yep. I still think it was a surprise. I still fully expected St. Louis to not let him get away, especially when they turn around and offered similar money to Tory Krug. So I think that Vegas is right there. So I guess two is okay, but I I still think that they're slightly better than Tampa. But, yeah, one, two, and three are okay. The middle of this thing gets a little jumbled for me. Yes, and uh, for me, I would rather do a – I would rather do a power rankings by conference than by – the whole, uh, league. Then the whole league. Okay. Because, well, there are some teams from the Eastern Conference, you know, uh, who are pretty solid in the East. The fact that they're playing so much better competition means that they may well end up with a lower win percentage than uh, teams that they would beat in a seven-game series in the Western Conference. Okay, see, now this is statements like this, and maybe I'm wrong, but maybe I'm not. 
No, I'm not. Minnesota Wild at 23. <clears throat> First sentence out of the box. The Wild upgraded in net by trading Devin Dubnik to the Sharks and signing Cam Talbot in free agency. Um, mm, probably not. No. Sorry. So all credibility just went out the window. <laughs> Devin Dubnik, did he have an off year? Yes. Cam Talbot, to me, still not a number one goaltender. He's one of those 1A type guys, so didn't upgrade in that personal opinion, but I'm not wrong. Thank you. Uh, full show today. Very full show. Um, there was that other story, uh, the mailbag uh, from Hags uh, over at uh, that you wanted to touch on real quick. Um Chris is doing something that I did earlier in the year, which will tell you exactly how goofy a hockey year it's been. This is <clears throat> just go ahead and say it out loud. The three words, the three most dangerous words in, in Boston, uh, Boston sports. Is it? I agree with words? hags uh, Four words. Sorry. Uh, four words. I agree with hags. First question. He did a mailbag. First question was, why is there no move by Donnie do nothing <clears throat> to improve the team offensively? We let Krug walk for a livable price so we can discuss the idiotic possibility of adding OEL. And Hag's first sentence right out of the box was, I don't think trading for OEL is an idiotic at all. Looks, it's pro- obviously a big commitment with a massive contract for a player that's approaching 30 years old, just like Tory Krug. The big difference is that Krug, between OEL and Krug is that OEL is 6'2", 200 pounds and isn't the same kind of liability in the defensive zone that Krug has been in his career. I can't believe I'm agreeing with Hags. <laughs> yeah, and it's... My, ha- my head is in my hands because I I can't believe I'm agreeing with him. And it's not that Hags has done anything bad to either one of us, but some of his hockey takes have historically been um, something I wouldn't take. No, he's been – the couple of times I bumped into him at development camps over the years, he's been – he's actually been nice and he said hello and he's greeted me and he's talked for a couple of – you know, he, he's doing his job and it, nothing against Hags personally. It Yeah, it's his take on things and, and that it's like uh, – Some of which are completely baffling, some of which are inverted and I've been – hey, I was forced to agree with him. You are you you agree with him? It, it, it's okay. It's officially yes. a weird year. <laughs> OEL um, to Boston would not be bad if the Bruins could do it without giving up too much. Yep. Fighting scale of what too much is pretty interesting, um, given how. Yeah, but I think we talked about that enough uh, earlier this year. Yeah. And there was that last story that we're really just going to talk about for not even a full minute. There's um, another story? I missed it. Or oh, is it the one that I put up? The one that you put up. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you can tell that uh, the <clears throat> public health situation has resulted in some people having 
a little too much time on their hands. Um, a Tim Hortons, uh, or rather a fan is complaining to Tim Hortons uh, about his inability to collect a complete set of hockey card of NHL cards this year. Um, and he says that based on the number of boxes he has purchased, he should have collected a complete set or at least gotten some of the high value cards. Mm-hmm. Here's the, uh, here's the thing. When you buy something sight unseen that no one has even promised you is going to contain a thing, a specific thing, you're gambling. There's that movie and book franchise where they use the phrase, may the odds be ever in your favor. And it's a glorious line. It's one of those lines that inspires hope. Because usually the odds are not. Casinos casinos do not go broke very often. And when they do, there's usually malfeasance. Well, I I love this. I love this statement. In a statement, Tim Horton said it has no evidence of cheating in 2020. We're talking about hockey cards. The company has implemented strict security measures and provided clear training materials to ensure this year's annual NHL card promotion is fair and all customers have a chance to open open a containing a rare and valuable card. I just the fact that this is a story is just and this I one didn't. is, yeah, Isabel Vincent, New York Post, uh, the 28th at 3.34 p.m. No, Ladies and gentlemen, that's hockey. I'm not I'm blaming Mike. Isabel for this one. This is, I, no. she has to write what's available. I and, just, <laughs> and it's actually, a, it's actually a well put together article. Um, Isabel, <laughs> thank you for doing what I wouldn't want to do and making it look good. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you, Isabel. That's hockey. Uh, that's the show. I'm Mike. He's Chris. You're going to be sharing our show with your friends, your family, random people you run into on the street. Um, you might even make your Thanksgiving uh, leftovers listen to the show. I don't know, but uh, if that happens, please send us a TikTok or a video clip of it. Um, Congrats to Jakey, by the way, getting his money. Uh, yeah, Jake DeBrusque signed for a reasonable deal, and I think we can. Uh, I think we can leave at leave everything at that. Absolutely. Take care.